This is episode number 17 of the Bearded Marketers podcast, the only internet marketing podcast out there. I'm Rob. I'm Corey. Tonight, we got a good lineup of things to talk about, but first, you need to be hitting us up on Twitter, Facebook, Google+, I don't know, whatever else is out there. We're pretty We're much on it. on it. Yeah. And we need reviews on iTunes and all of the other following things as well. I think we're also on Stitcher. We is are. That, is that we are. we had some requests for that, so we bit the bullet and did it. They're one of the only ones that actually provide metrics. iTunes, get on this. Yeah. We have to use a third-party metrics program just to figure out how many listeners we have out there, which, by the way... Starting the episode off, I think we just passed 10,000 listeners. 10,000 listeners and si- after 16 episodes. So I think that's well, a pretty good number pretty to good. hit. Yeah, yeah I mean, from me and Rob, thank you guys for listening. We uh, we are honored that we are reaching out to that many uh, of you. But in return, we ask for two things. One, give us a review out on iTunes or share us. Two... Send us in what you're struggling with. What are your ideas? What do you want us to cover? I mean, between me and Rob, we have a uh, an interesting mix of experience in this field. So pretty much if you are having problems with something or struggling with, we've probably, between the both of us, tackled it in some form or fashion. So let us know how we can help, and we'll probably make it onto an episode here. And I promise I won't read your embarrassing questions live on the podcast and make fun of you publicly. I would never do something like that. Rob promised. I did not. (laughs) All right. Tonight I am drinking a gin and ginger ale with a little bit of lime on top. Mm -hmm. So give it a little bit of spiciness. Gotcha. I've been on a Presbyterian kick for a while, so that's what I'm drinking tonight. If you'd like the recipe for a Presbyterian, it is two parts rye whiskey, one part lime, and then one part simple syrup. Finish it off with a nice touch of ginger beer. Mm, delish. And that's Any- your own sort of home recipe, not maybe the official one. but Correct. Okay. Well, anytime you look up a drink online, though, it is, you get 15 different recipes. Gotcha. So basically, I go with the one that doesn't make my eye twitch or uh, my lip curl in one form or fashion. So this has been a good one for me. All right. Tonight, like I said, as always, really, we have a good lineup of things to talk about. First, we're going to start out talking about some alternative revenue streams. We're going to look at things sort of like Amazon Prime and some other examples. We're also going to touch on a fine balance of choice. How do we help people with all the different options we could possibly have on some mm. of our sites? What's too much? What's too little? Yeah. Wrapping things up, we're going to talk about some interesting news on the Google content experiment side of things. Some new exciting information was released. And then bringing us in the home stretch, helping your customers identify the content that they need. So let's go ahead and get things started with alternate revenue stream. So Rob and I were talking this week and we had come across a couple of different instances where we noticed where companies were looking to monetize their customers in a little bit of a different fashion than maybe just offering more products or, you know, just churning out more and more of the same. And we were having kind of an interesting discussion on how we as businesses potentially look to gain some more revenue in some more what we call, I guess, alternate or yeah, non-traditional, uh, non-traditional ways, ways. So, yeah, absolutely. So, what sort of got this started off is um, I actually don't even know how I came across this. Maybe tracking a package on UPS's website, um, they had a prompt to sort of sign up. Uh, and I think there's new programs called UPS My Choice. Basically, it allows you to um, sort of take control of your address, I guess, within UPS. So, it allows you to reroute packages and get notifications when things are coming to you. So, you no longer have to rely on merchants sending you tracking numbers and things like that. Ah. You'll get it directly from UPS. Mm -hmm. It's kind of nice. They send you out 
notifications ahead of time. Hey, there's going to be a package being delivered tomorrow between the hours of, there's a huge time window there. So it's kind of useless in that respect. But they also tried to sort of upsell you to a $40 a year, I believe it is, um, sort of plus plan that allows you to take much more control over it. They give you much tighter delivery windows, I think within an hour or something like that. Um, they allow you like unlimited address changes. So if you decide last minute, oh, you know, it's coming today, I, I'll just take it at my work office mm. instead of at home since it's going to be delivered a little earlier than I thought. So it gives you a lot more options. And I thought that was a really unique, different way for a company that you wouldn't think would be all that, I don't know, online savvy with different forms of revenue who makes all their money shipping packages, they come up with a new way to, to charge people annually mm-hmm. for something that I think a lot of people could maybe use who are addicted to Amazon and buying <laughs> things on, online like me, who maybe want to change things, change shipping addresses on the fly and get awesome notifications of when things are coming. I think it's an awesome idea. So it sort of got me thinking, like, what are, what are some other companies that do these sort of outside the box, I hate saying that term, ways to make money that you wouldn't normally think and i think something you know Corey and i you know we always talk about amazon prime it's mm-hmm. it's something that i think a lot of people should definitely check out it's something though that doesn't really make sense on the surface an e-commerce store that sells every product known to man also has a, like a yearly membership service where you get i don't know quicker shipping right for free it's almost kind of like a odd costco sam's ish right style membership but you don't unlike most membership shopping places you can still shop on amazon without prime the only thing that you're really getting is the quicker shipping uh for the items that they fulfill themselves and you know the video services and other things that they're starting to add on but i remember when that first rolled out and still to this day for people explaining them to them what prime is most people don't understand what the big deal is exactly. and they they think well why would you do that and then it's not until they sucker you in and your life changes where you get that two-day shipping but you know amazon prime is just one of the ways where i think that they started delving into how can we extract probably not the best word but how do we diversify our revenue streams within our company uh, to potentially engage people that are willing to pay for services that you know, we might have just discounted in the in the get go. I mean, offering people quicker shipping and having them pay just for the ability for it, you know, is kind of the uh, like you said, an out of the box type of idea that I don't think for most people on the surface think that it would fly until they really start to think about it or actually use it or talk to someone that uses it. You know, I know another merchant that offers an interesting upsell is what I would, I guess, classify it as, is there's a retailer, Newegg, and if you're not familiar with them, they sell computer parts. So similar to Tiger Direct or, you know, more technical offerings from like Best Buy, things like that. Anyways, when you order from them and you check out, you have the option of paying them an extra 3 or $4 for <laughs> rush processing or something like that. So essentially, instead of them you know, letting the invoices stack up there. What they try to sell you on is if you give us four extra dollars, we'll run with your package to the shipping guy instead of walk casually or, you know, maybe get to that tomorrow. The wording's so so vague too. You don't really know (laughs) what they're going to do, except you're going to give them more money. You know, that's another instance where you can potentially, you know, look to recoup revenue streams. What's interesting, you know, I think a smarter way to maybe deploy that would be, as you're getting close to the end of the day, 
wording that upsell as we're getting close to our shipping cutoff window. If you pay an extra $4, we'll bump yours to ensure that it ships out today instead. And being a little bit more specific and having a time bound for when that offer actually comes online and comes back down, um, I think would maybe be a better way to kind of approach that in a way that's a little bit more believable than their vague copy that they use for the uh, rush delivery. Yeah, absolutely. And, and you know, I don't want sort of everyone listening to think that this is maybe just limited to e-commerce platforms because we've just given the sort of idea of Amazon and Newegg because um, obviously UPS's idea doesn't really apply to most people. But right. I think that UPS, the example, helps open your eyes in terms of there are so many other opportunities for mm-hmm. this. I mean, now in talking about this, another huge example is, I mean, American Express, you pay a yearly fee to have a credit card. <laughs> to most people, that makes no sense. Mm-hmm. Like, why would you do that? But there are so many benefits that come that along with it. tries to incentivize you to always have it paid off as well. I mean, right. there's other bounds to it as well, not right. just paying for it. Right. So sort of with the built-in, I've paid for this, I want to use it all the time now. So it's sort of similar to the Amazon Prime. It's like I have the account and it's free shipping. So like I just buy everything through Amazon. I have the American Express card. I just pay for everything with the American Express card. It's just mm-hmm. what I do. You're vested in it. Yeah, you're sort of vested in it and, and really involved with the brand. You're paying for it. It's a service you're using, and like I guess subconsciously you always want to use it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think those are good. Not only do you get, obviously, that recurring revenue every year or month or however you charge, right. you get that um, loyalty to your mm-hmm. brand. Well, I will say, though, what's important, though, if people start going down these paths, and maybe they're, it's just limited to the the examples that we've given, but when you start looking to extract more revenue from your current customers, make sure that you're still delivering on the service aspect of things. So with Amazon and American Express, one thing that they both do very well, I'm sure there's some outlier bad customer experiences, but all in all, most people are very satisfied with their interactions with both companies when problems arise when they get something from both of those companies, there is a high level of polish and customer service oriented delivery. And I believe that when you start to charge people more, they also start maybe noticing that charge more as well, because it's now becoming more of their disposable income. So if you're, or their budget, if you're a, uh, a company that's looking to spend, you know, part of your budget on a service. So if you start looking to, augment how much you are collecting from your customers. Make sure that your customer service is also being up to par. So when people potentially start looking at what you're charging them more and more, that it's an easy justification. You know, the interactions that we have with X is always on point. So we don't mind spending this extra amount and we don't mind telling others about it. Um, So that would be my only word of caution as people look to spend more, there is the possibility that they start to scrutinize your service they more. expect more. Right. Yeah, so make sure that you can deliver that. So let's move on to the fine balance of choice. So I wanted to talk about this topic because I ran into it a number of times over this past week. And what we wanted to really talk about is the two scenarios that we run into a lot where we arrive on a website And one, I don't know where I'm supposed to go because it's really sparse and I don't, you know, you haven't really done a good job of showing me what my choice and options are where I should go. Or what also happens, actually probably more so than the the sparse aspect is, 
overwhelming me. You know, right. I, I arrive on a process, whether that is, you know, Legion, whether it's e-commerce, doesn't really matter. Um, and I just, it's just an overwhelming amount of things that are trying to grab for my attention. So some specific examples in, in this realm is I work for a sports memorabilia company and we recently ran a test where we looked at how many items we display on the typical page where we have, you know, our products listed in a grid. Through some testing, we found that showing less products per row actually contributed to decreasing bounce, increasing product add to carts and conversions and, and some other metrics that we were trying to pay attention to closely. And I think a lot of what was driving that, there is a lot of factors that went into those results. One of the feedback that we got from our customer advisory panel, so we panel for bigger tests and bigger changes on our website, we have a select group of customers that we go out and kind of survey, or we'll just go and survey random people on the internet you know, using usertesting.com or whoever. And one of the feedback items that we got time and time again was this page feels less overwhelming because, you you know, not only on typical pages where we ran this test is there products to digest, but it's also maybe information on a team. You, You have your guided navigation filters, whether that's men's, ladies, sale items. So we're all in... Let's not even take into consideration our top uh, navigation of the website. So there's all these things that are kind of grabbing for your attention, wanting you to read or at least skim over some of this stuff to kind of help, number one, understand, am I in the right place if I'm not coming from a previous page on this website? But also digesting what all, all is on this page and then hopefully finding something that's relevant to me. That's a lot to ask for people when we're shouting with, you know, so many things on a page. And I feel like a lot of companies come under that and we think that giving people more and more choices will mean that we will lose less and less people because the equation somewhat goes, you know, if we can increase our choice and raise that lever, then hopefully we have appealed to more and more people. And what we end up doing, I feel like most of the time is we increase our choice but we also overwhelm people and decrease the amount of engagement that we have because people kind of try to absorb the page and then they bounce out and go somewhere else or they get so fatigued, you know, expending so much effort on this page to try to understand it that you end up seeing leakage in other places because they end up just getting tired on your site and and go somewhere else where it might be easier. Yeah, absolutely. I think a lot of people do think sort of more options, more sales, more people in the funnel, everything like that. And I think I may have mentioned this test before in the past on one of the other episodes, um, running a sort of product matrix with several plans for a service provider, we removed a few of the plans. And so instead of maybe six plans presented to a potential user, we only had three or something like that and drastically increased conversion. So by removing options, making the process simpler and um, not giving people so much room to sort of think about everything and overthink mm-hmm. things and, and look through all these options resulted in a higher increase in conversion. And I know that I've read in psychology books before, um, sort of similar to the principles of persuasion kind mm-hmm. of stuff that we were talking about in some of the other episodes. 
is that having too many options drastically, not only, you know, outside of just conversion, it increases customer dissatisfaction mm-hmm. after the purchase because right. they, they constantly are thinking, man, I should have got I, the other one. Right. Did, Did I, I miss really out on the something? Right one? Mm-hmm. So instead of having 20, for instance, I think the example they give in the book is sort of like going into the supermarket and trying to buy an apple. I just wanted an apple. <laughs> There's like 15 different kinds of apples. Right. It's like 10 shades of every kind of red and green I've ever seen from small to huge. And I don't even know what I want anymore. Mm-hmm. I just wanted an apple. And if they just had one kind of apple, I'd be perfectly happy. But now I'm going to be unhappy with whatever I get because I thought I got the wrong one. So I think that's just such a great way to look at it. Um, I think your test sort of points to that. Yeah, and I mean, I, I talked about it at the beginning, and I don't want to you know discount that. But I do feel like that other companies kind of take it to the other extreme. And right. we're just going to show very little portions of what we're trying to offer to you. And maybe wow you with some secondary things like, ooh, look at this cool image in the background. And we're so trendy. We have little content and we have a big button to like click through. And I think there's just a fine balance there of allowing people to kind of self-select the process that they need to go into, but also giving them enough to where they don't feel like they have to hunt for your information. because. Right. Effort gets expended in different ways, whether that's me trying to figure out where I need to go because you've kind of provided me so little, or there's effort on me trying to digest what you're giving me and just so much is kind of yelling for my attention. So, you know, do a self-evaluation. Do I provide too little on this page to get people to understand what I have to offer? Or do you provide too little for people to kind of trust what you're saying as well or or buy into what we're talking about? You know, have you done an okay job at communicating what it is, but not necessarily the value of it? What's your value proposition? Does that get expressed enough on this page uh, in a believable fashion? Or the other side of the coin, could we afford to lose maybe three paragraphs of copy on this text? Do we actually need this whole entire element um, on this page? Is it just taking up space? Maybe we could relocate it to kind of make this page feel lighter. Or another way that people overwhelm uh, users as well is their selections of color and design. So maybe rethinking how this page looks from a visual standpoint and making it a little bit easier to navigate and, and really understand. So Think about those things, the balance of choice. How do you present users when they come onto your page? Are you being too sparse? Are you diarrhea on the page and it's just too much (laughs) choice for them? You know, only you can really make that call. But again, I think this is a a perfect case for you as well to engage in some user testing as well. Talk to other users and see how they react on the page and what their comments are. So it can be some really highly valuable feedback for you. Yeah, absolutely. I think... You know, I don't know how far I am behind on the news on this, but content experiments for those who are not aware, listeners out there, um, mm-hmm. Google Analytics has a built-in testing platform, lets you test some of your landing pages and marketing messages on your website. It's called Content Experiments. Mm-hmm. Used to be called, for the old guys out there, used to be called Website Optimizer. OGs. <laughs> the OGs out there. Um, actually used to be a lot better as Website mm-hmm. Optimizer, I think, in most people's opinion. More options, sure. more testing uh I guess, just options. Mm -hmm. So you could run more um, specific types of tests. Whereas right now, it's kind of limited in terms of you can only test a complete page against another complete page. And a lot of the sort of power users aren't happy with that kind of stuff and have sort of been forced to go to outside competitors, which I know you have a lot of experience with. 
Right. I mean, one of the big things that they took away was multivariate testing, right. which was pretty popular in GW. Yeah. Days. So uh, I think we both actually got this email earlier today about content experiments rolling out what they're calling an API. And this mm-hmm. is part of the Google Analytics API. Essentially, I mean, there are a lot of technical aspects of this that allow you to do some pretty in-depth things. But essentially what it does is open up the content experiments um, sort of, I guess, maybe platform and back end mm-hmm. and allow you to run virtually any kind of test you would you would think you can think of to run so whereas website optimizer used to let you do the multivariate stuff um used to let you run tests that didn't involve redirects just staying on a certain page and switching elements out um you can run all of those kinds of tests now with content experiments and you can actually get way more tricky and fancy than that if if you really want to all you need is a little bit of a dev work they've got some great tutorials online i think we'll probably tweet out i think i've, I've actually on my personal account already tweeted it out um you can definitely check it out uh, the tutorials are easy to run through and i didn't want to spend too much time talking about this like i said we can get pretty technical with some of sure. the advantages and things but i think i think the sort of takeaway here is for all those people who have written content experiments off because it wasn't powerful enough definitely take a second look at it there are a lot more features out there right now and again it's a free product and it's supported by google so yeah, I mean, I think people need to understand that, again, it's a free product, so you might need to budget some time to talk with a programmer and, and have some things addressed, but um, it is a lot more powerful now, and I think it's addressed some of the concerns that people have. You know, and I think, I, again, I don't want to get too technical. One benefit that this does now open up, though, is a great way for companies to develop their own in-house testing tool that relies on someone that has already built a platform with some sound statistics and science behind it, but also allows you to have some data security. Now, I'm already assuming that you're using Google Analytics for your metrics, so there's nothing, really anything extra that Google's gaining out of you. But the one aspect that I do run into a lot in testing and working with a bunch of different companies, they don't, some are very weary of allowing their data to be seen by other eyes. And a lot of times that's like an account manager if you're using someone like SiteSpect or Optimizely or Adobe Test and Target. You know, there's other eyes that get to see your test data and some companies are just very weary of that. And I think that Google Content Experiments API allows you to, with some programming work, essentially build out your own testing tool where you can warehouse your data and really have some ownership of that data. So might be a good fit for some companies where data security might be an issue or or something to consider. So, all right, so wrapping up the episode, one of the topics that Rob and I wanted to discuss was helping users identify the content that you need. So we were talking and came across a site this week. It's called Photo Pro Photo or Frodo Pro. Um, And what they offer is, I believe it's a website platform for photographers, and you can use it for some other things. But one of the things that they we noticed that they offer that was done quite well was actually in their support section, where they allow you to kind of do some self-selection in qualifying yourself to the content that you need to essentially solve your question. So I'd seen this, I've seen this implemented in other instances where you try to contact a company or you try to write them an email and they essentially do their best to try to answer your question before you actually have to talk to a human. But in this instance, what they did was understand a little bit more about what you're trying to do with their product and then serve you relevant survey or uh, support content that might be relevant for you. 
my takeaway wasn't more so around the support aspect, which I think does have inherent value in and of itself. But I feel like too few are willing to interact with their customers as they come onto their website to tell more about themselves to essentially be able to serve them better, whether that's asking kind of what you're here to try to do on our website today. Maybe you sell a service and trying to understand a little bit more about the person so you show them relevant ideas. So as a, as a perfect example, I feel a lot of times when you're interacting with B2B or service style websites, they wait until they're collecting your information to know like what kind of industry that you're in and, and all these other things that's relevant for their salespeople. But I feel like what they fail to grasp well is understanding that potentially earlier on in the uh, experience might lead me to generate a different landing page or content or selling points that I want to tell these people so they actually submit their information. And sometimes I feel like we're very adverse to asking people any sort of question as they come onto our website because we're indoctrinated with Anytime we interact with our customers or have a step in the funnel, that's in air quotes, that we're losing 10 or 20% of people, you know, shorter is always better. And I don't, I know that's not always the case. I've tested a lot of different funnels out there and shorter is not always better. And I think that if you take the time to smartly put together an experience on your website to help better understand what people are trying to use a product, a service or what they do as a day-to-day can help you craft a better experience to show them the value of what you have to offer and ultimately lead to higher conversion. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, while you're talking, actually, exactly what I was thinking of was sort of B2B service-based stuff. Mm-hmm. You see it sometimes, depending on the kind of product that's being offered, like sort of the questions in the beginning of the process, sort of like, are you a person? Or are you a business? Are mm-hmm. you a, an agency? You know, What exactly are you doing? And we can sort of tailor the experience from then right. on. Towards yeah, but a lot of times that happens like at the end, like I right. was saying, I, I noticed that when they're trying to collect information from you, but never does that happen or very rarely does that happen, you know, shortly after I land that helps somewhat craft that message. You know, sometimes people rely on maybe the keyword that I search on or the referral traffic, but very rarely do I see people actually directly interact with me. You know, like I was looking up some cloud storage options this week. No company that I went to kind of asked me from the get-go on what type of business that I am or what am I going to be using cloud services for, which to me helps craft a better experience to what what I might find valuable, whether that's data security, whether that's speed of delivery, all these types of things that might be different priority depending on what area of technology that I'm trying to use this for all can be helped by just simply asking me. So Yeah, I mean, I think that's a good point in terms of, I think I think companies don't do it unless they need to because, for instance, their pricing is different if mm-hmm. you're a business or you're personal. I see it all the time on the cell phone sites. Sure. Uh, so like Verizon, AT&T, you sort of have to tell them, are you a business or is this personal use because mm-hmm. their pricing and plans and things are different. So companies, I think, only really do that if they need to. But I think you're right in terms of, Asking some of those questions up front can really help not just tailor the pricing messaging, uh, you know, from then on, but in terms of the sales. Right. Like, what do to, I want to emphasize? Yeah. What do we do well that's important to you based on what I know about you? Absolutely. So those are some things to consider this week. So quick rehash. Think about some possible alternate revenue streams. Are you a candidate for that? If you go down that road, keep in mind to keep your service tip top because now you're asking for more monies. 
Think about your balance of choice. When people arrive onto your, take a look at your top 10 landing pages and then just gut check. What does this page look like when I'm when I'm first coming? What's the first impressions? Too much? Too little? Uh, can we do something to kind of come up with a better balance of what we're offering people and where to go? Content Experiments API, Google released a new platform that you can essentially build your own testing platform for your own purposes. Might be a good fit for some people. Lastly, don't be scared to talk with your customers and identify who they are and what they need and then craft your experience based on that. So I think we covered some great topics this week. If you got any suggestions on ones that we should talk about in the future, give us a call 904-270-9603 or hit us up on all the social networks. We're on all of them. But again, we're here for you guys. Let us know what we can talk about in our next episode. Uh, if you'd like to be a guest, reach out to us and we'll kind of go down that road and see if you'd be a good fit. But until next time, this has been Rob and Corey. This is the Bearded Markers, and we'll see you guys next week.